Please open your Bibles to 2 Timothy this morning. 2 Timothy. Out of all the resolutions or commitments that Christians make on the threshold of a new year, one that seems to be a common goal of every believer is to be more faithful in reading and studying God's Word. When Sir Henry, Henry Stanley uh, started across the continent of Africa in search of David Livingston, he had with him 73 books. They took three satchels to carry them. All of them weighed over 180 pounds. After he had gone the first 300 miles, he began to uh, discard some of the books because of the weight. And as he continued on the journey, his library grew smaller and smaller until he just had one book left. It was his Bible, and he read it three times during that journey. The book of 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul wrote. It's his last will and testament, and in it he shares with Timothy what's most important. And he carefully writes about the importance of faithfulness to what Timothy had been taught. He's reminding Timothy, the young pastor now, of what Paul had given him, what he had taught him. And so I'd like us to learn from five admonitions in this epistle that Paul made regarding the scriptures that helped Timothy and will challenge us to be faithful in our love for and our study of the Word of God. The title of the message this morning, Empowering Your Life with the Word of God. What was it that Paul reminded Timothy of that would empower his life and what do we need to hear today? Well, first of all, let's turn to chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And here Paul's telling Timothy to hold on to the doctrines that you have learned. Hold on to the doctrines that you have learned. 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee Keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. In those two verses, there are two imperative verbs, two admonitions. First of all, the first is hold fast. It means to hold firmly to the truths of the scripture. Don't lose them by careless neglect. Have you found more and more you forget what you're going after as you look for things in the house? Uh, don't lose some things, and, and especially don't lose what you have in Scripture. So Paul's Timothy, how, how can we do that in a practical way? Well, we think primarily, I need to read it. Uh, reading it will help me hold fast to the things that are there. And then I need to meditate on it. Sometimes we read without a lot of thought, and we need to stop and consider what we've just read. Meditate on God's Word. Uh, memorize it. Very helpful for some people to memorize. Uh, obey it. Live it. Do what it says. And then fifth, share it with others. When you start telling other people about what you've learned in Scripture, it uh, reinforces those truths in your own heart and in your own mind. So hold fast. What is he to hold fast to? What's the form here? The object, the form of sound words. The word for form here is a template or a standard. A builder has to follow blueprints. A dressmaker traces a pattern. An engineer designs according to uniform criteria and methods. 
And if the standards are not followed closely, the results can be disastrous. The Bible is our standard. We must find out what the Bible has to say and follow the instructions that God gives us. Here, Timothy was told to hold fast the pattern, the form of sound words. Let's think of that word sound. Paul uses it in the pastoral epistles for 2 Timothy and Titus. Uh, he uses it seven different times. And it's the word that we get our word uh, hygienic from, something that's sterile, something that uh, is sound. It, the doctrines of the Bible are to be healthy. Don't neglect them or you might catch all kinds of doctrinal diseases that will hurt your spiritual growth. Or worse, they can jeopardize your eternal soul. So the sound doctrine, the healthy teachings. The manner, how is Timothy to hold on securely to the form of healthy words that he heard from the Apostle Paul? He says hold them securely in faith and in love. So we're to hold them fast in, in faith, that is our belief, our knowledge of what the Bible says, and we're to hold them fast in love. In that emotional attachment, in that desire that we have to, to, to spend time with God in his word. And when you love him, you'll want to be in his word. We've referred to Psalm 119.97 often. Where the psalmist said, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And in that verse, you have that love and you have that belief, that faith, faith and love. Meditation all your day. The second imperative is found in the middle of verse 14, keep. That word keep means to guard or to protect. What was Timothy to guard? The good thing. That initially means the good news of salvation, but it also, on a larger extent, it talks about all the truths that are found in the scriptures. And so we're to guard, we're to protect all of those things. Hold them securely. As you learn them, don't let them slip away. Uh, to some, they, they mark their Bible to remind them of what they had read, what made an impact on their hearts that day. To some, a, a notebook that they write the things that they've learned or write a question that they have that they want to research later on. So read with, with a notebook in, in hand. Um, these doctrines, these truths, were committed to Timothy by the Holy Spirit. Notice they were committed through the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit to Timothy. And God uses people to deliver the truth in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you ask, do you think Timothy could really keep and guard this priceless treasure? Well, if Paul is telling him to, yes. And when God tells us to, the answer is yes as well. It's not just for a few spiritual giants that have no trouble memorizing Scripture. Oswald Chambers said, all through, script, uh, through history, God has chosen and used nobodies because their unusual dependence on him made possible the unique display of his power and his grace. He chose and used somebodies only when they renounced dependence of their natural abilities and resources. So if you think, I'm a nobody, I can't do this, God, God says, you're, the, you're just the one for the job. If you're somebody, you become somebody who depends on the Lord, and he'll give you these truths. So hold on to the doctrines that you've learned. Guard them. Don't lose them. Second admonition is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. 
And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. It's a wonderful responsibility for each of us to tell others the good news of salvation, to tell others the truths that are there in the Bible. There's a curriculum, so similar to an education that we get. The things that you have heard from me, that's the curriculum. And he says the same. Don't change the textbook. Don't alter the curriculum or change the instructions. That's really the same thing Paul had done. He wrote in 1 Corinthians 15.3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. And so what Paul received from the Lord, he gave to Timothy. What Timothy preached, we're reading today. To whom do we pass along the truths of the scripture? Here it says, faithful men. We're to find other Christians who are faithful to the Lord and pour into them the things that we've learned. Those who will be able to teach others also. When you pour your life into someone else's, you want to make sure that they're going to do the same thing with the next generation. So choose those who are able, who are capable of teaching others who would continue to do the same. Are you encouraging anyone else right now in their walk with the Lord, in their knowledge of the Bible? One of the greatest joys a teacher has, and you who are teachers know this, is to see the light come on, the bulb come on, when, when you've been trying and trying to get someone to understand something, all of a sudden they get it. And, and their eyes just, oh, now I get it. Uh, that's, that's what you want to see in the lives of other believers. That assimilation of the truth of the word of God and that recognition of what it says and what it means and how it's going to change their life. Maybe you've never heard of Edward Kimball. He was a Sunday school teacher who was burdened for one of the young men, and he worked in a shoe store. And he, he was burdened that he would come to Christ. And he was arguing with himself as he walked to the shoe store uh, about whether or not he should really be witnessing in business hours. Maybe he would embarrass the young salesman. Uh, he decided just to run in and say something. Here's, here's the way he records it. I went up to him at once, and putting my hand on his shoulder, I made what I felt afterwards was a very weak plea for Christ. I don't know just what words I used. I simply told him of Christ's love for him and the love Christ wanted in return. That was all there was. It seemed the young man was just ready for the light that broke upon him. And there in the back of that store in Boston, D.L. Moody gave himself and his life to Jesus Christ. Edward Kimball, Sunday school teacher. But he passed on what he knew of scriptures to others. And D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists of the 1800s, it was said that he led almost a million people to the Lord Jesus Christ, all because of Edward Kimball. Pass along the truths to others. Third, let's go to chapter 2, verse 15, a very familiar verse. It's an Awana verse, approved workmen are not ashamed. 2 Timothy 2.15, this is a third admonition. Be diligent to study and live according to the truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul told Timothy to study. The word means to be diligent in your study, to be diligent in your reading. The motivation for diligent study was so that he could be approved before God. Approved is 
a word that means tried and proven true, going through the test and coming out successful. Paul's letting Timothy know that one day he's going to stand before God, as we all will. And the opinions of others are not going to matter on that day. God knows what kind of efforts that you put into the study of his word, what kind of diligence you put in. And so the results of that work, a workman who is not ashamed, he can look at his Savior and with honest glance say, I did my best. I was faithful. He's not ashamed because he rightly divides the word of truth. The words rightly dividing are used in different uh, concepts, extra-biblical writings, of a craftsman cutting a straight line, a farmer uh, plowing a straight row, a stonemason setting a straight course of bricks. And so the student of the scriptures handles God's word correctly. The phrase, the word of truth, Paul uses it two other times in his writings, and both times it refers to the gospel. Ephesians 1.13, he writes, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And then Colossians 1.15, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before, in the word of truth of the gospel. And so he connects this word gospel with that phrase, the word of truth. In those other two places, we can expect it to mean the same here. Let's be diligent in our Bible study. Let's make sure with God's help that we are approved, tried and proven faithful, making sure that we're accurate with the gospel. One day in St. Louis, Missouri, a young convert named C.I. Schofield walked into the office of a friend, C.E. Paxson. He found him with a new copy of the Bible on his desk and a pencil in his hand. And Schofield, the young Christian, said, you're ruining your beautiful new Bible. (laughs) His older friend took him to Acts 8, where he had underlined the fifth verse. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Then he showed where he had drawn a line to verse 8, which reads, and there was great joy in that city. (laughs) When Christ was preached, there was great joy. And so there was a connection made. And years later, Schofield would introduce Paxson as the man who first taught me to mark my Bible. That method of study of scriptures led Schofield to produce his, the Schofield Reference Bible with its helpful system of cross-references and notes. Study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. Fourth admonition is found in chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. And this fourth point, let the word equip you to do what is right. Paul told Timothy to continue in what he had learned, verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So here he's saying to continue in that, the, the things that you've learned. That tells me that truth is never obsolete. It's not limited to one generation. It's always pertinent. It's always relevant. There seems to be a popular movement today that says anything that's old needs to be replaced. The approach to church renewal is often the same as the approach to a home makeover. You tear it down. 
You get rid of the brass. You get rid of the things that we don't use anymore. They're not modern enough. Get rid of the old music. Stop preaching against sin. Uh, just let people live the way that they want to live. Don't be so negative. Repentance and change isn't that necessary. Truth never becomes obsolete. That truth also encourages us to continue because the Bible will last a lifetime. It's milk to the new believer. It's meat to the older believer. It never, there will never be a time in your life where you say, I've learned all there is to know about the Bible. There's always more. Continue in it. Paul told Timothy that he had good teachers that taught him as a child. In verse 15, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Not only did Timothy have Paul as a teacher, we saw in 2 Timothy 2.2, we just looked at that. He also, in 2 Timothy 1.5, had a mother, Eunice, and a grandmother, Lois, who poured into him that unfeigned faith that they possessed. Unfeigned means unhypocritical, a faith that is sincere. So he learned from them, from a child. That's when it started. The word for child here is brephos. It's a very young child. It can mean a one who's still in the womb in Luke 1.41. It's used of John the Baptist when he's still unborn. So don't think a child is ever too young to understand the scriptures. Begin early. Teach them at the earliest stages in life. Let them see your love for God. Let them see your obedience to it. They see you reading the Bible even before they can read it and understand it. They'll know that's an important book. There must be a God who wrote that. Paul told Timothy that the Bible has great value, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. There are four areas of profitability here. First of all, notice it's profitable because it's inspired. God breathed. The word means the breath of God. And so when he wrote this book, we are seeing his words. Uh, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They were born along. They wrote exactly what God wanted written. And so it has value because it's God's word to us. And then those four areas of profitability. Number one, it's profitable for doctrine. That's teaching truth. It shows what's right and what's wrong. It's profitable for reproof. It shows us when we don't measure up to God's standard. And there's reproof. For correction, the Bible restores us where we should be uh, spiritually uh, living for him. It shows us where we should be. And then the instruction in righteousness, the Bible keeps us on the right path. So I, I like to think of it as a road. The first one, for doctrine, it's profitable. Uh, the Bible says, this is the right road. For reproof, the Bible says, you're not on it. <laughs> this is the right road, and, and you're, on, you're on a wrong road. Third, for correction, here's how you get on the right road. And then, for instruction in righteousness, here's how you stay on the right road. Paul told Timothy the Bible would equip him to serve God effectively, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. To what extent does God's word equip you? It will make you perfect. The word here is, is 
not uh, to complete, but here, fresh, rested, ready to serve. It'll make you perfect. It'll, it'll give you new strength in your life to serve God. No matter what stage of life you're in physically, you will, as Isaiah 40, 31 says, renew your strength. The Bible will do that for you. It will equip you with everything you need to serve him. Isn't that an amazing thing? Whatever you need, and you say, well, I can't do that. God calls you to do it. He equips you through his word to be able to do it. You have everything you need to tell that lost person how to be saved. So I can never come up with the right verses. The Bible has the verses that you need to do it. You have everything you need to make those difficult decisions in life. Which, which way do I go on this one? I, I, I've asked other people. I've tried to get advice. Go to the scriptures. It will give you the advice that you need. You have everything you need to live a godly life in an ungodly world. You say, well, you don't know how bad it is today. God did when he had the Bible written for us. It'll still help you. It thoroughly furnishes us to good works. This, this is the reason for this perfecting work of God, so that we can accomplish good works. Perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Are you continuing in the things that you've learned? Are you training others? Are you pouring your faith into the, the lives of the next generation? Are you fully equipped and serving God effectively? We move now to the fifth admonition of Paul to Timothy. It's found in chapter 4, verses 2, and four, two through 4. Here, it's simply proclaim God's word faithfully. Now, this last point is, is directed toward the person who stands up publicly and preaches a gospel message. And you say, okay, I can sit back now. This isn't for me. But there's something for all of us to know here that God expects churches to be emphasizing today. Paul's writing to Timothy. He's pastoring a church in Ephesus. But these words are for all of us. When you're searching for a church, how do you make your decision on where to go? Well, they have a really nice drama program. And they put on... I know you've, you've heard of those. They put on these plays in, in the, on, the, on the pulpit and the platform, and it is so enjoyable in such a great way. Well, they have a, a great playground outside for the kids. Well, it's Michigan. You're not going to be able to play out there anyway. Find, find a church where God's word is preached. Wherever you go. I don't, I don't, you don't all have to be members here. I would like you to be. But if you have to move, or if you're looking for a church, find one that preaches God's word. Let's read those, those verses, 2 through 4 of chapter 4. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Notice the priority of the Bible for the content of the message. What are we to preach? There are a lot of voices out there, and they're saying a lot of things. What are we to hear from the pulpit? Preach the word. The word to preach here means to herald, to proclaim, to say it so that people can hear it and understand it. 
It's seen in the activity of the, of the content of the message, the priority of the Bible. Preach the word. When we come to church, we need to find out what does God have to say? All week long, we hear all of the news, all of the media, all of the outlets that are there, and we don't know what can I trust? Isn't it great to know that when you come and open your Bible, you can trust what God said? That's why we come, preach the word. The effect of God's word on those who hear it. The first two we saw in chapter 3, verse 16. Here it's reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And that's what preaching is supposed to do. Reprove was that uh, tell them they're not on the right road word. Okay? Convince them by showing them the truth of God's word compared to their own life. It's like holding up a mirror in front of someone's face. You go, boy, I didn't know, I didn't know my hair was out of place. Yeah, sometimes I didn't know I had parsley in my teeth. Just hold the mirror up. Let them see it. Okay? Reprove. And then rebuke. That's responding to the reproof. Make a correction. Here's how to get on the right road. James warns against the man who sees his face in a mirror, and then he goes away and forgets what manner of man he was. He saw the problem. He didn't correct what needed correcting. Reprove, rebuke. And then here's a third word in this text. The first two we saw before in verse 16. But now exhort. That's to encourage. It's another step that's often neglected in the preaching of God's word. You should go from this place not beat up, but encouraged. If a parent is always yelling at their child for doing what's wrong and never praises or encourages or motivates in a positive way, that child will probably grow up with some emotional scars. There are churches filled with members who have been hurt, who have been scarred because God's word wasn't preached correctly. It didn't include the encouragement. What's the methodology of this ministry? How should you preach the word? There are two words that I think apply to all three aspects of that ministry of reprove, rebuke, exhort. Do each of those with patience, with long-suffering, and with doctrine, instruction, careful teaching. So you reprove someone with patience and with doctrine, with careful teaching. You rebuke them with patience and with doctrine. You exhort them the same way, with patience, with doctrine. These five admonitions to Timothy, these words that Paul wrote to him, should be of great importance in our own Bible study in the coming year. Hold on to the doctrines that you've learned. Pass along those truths to someone else. Be diligent to study and live according to the truth. Let the word of God equip you to do what's right and proclaim God's word faithfully. George Mueller, who built orphanages and prayed in food and finances for everything, had a great faith in God. The first three years of his, after his conversion, he writes, I neglected the word of God since I began to search... Uh, since before that, the first three years of my conversion, I neglected the word of God, and since then I began to search it diligently. And blessing has been wonderful. I've read the Bible through 100 times, and always with increasing delight. 
Jonathan Goforth, who was a missionary to China, said, my deepest regret on reaching three score years and 10 is that I have not devoted more time to study of the Bible. Still, in less than 19 years, I have gone through the New Testament 55 times in Chinese. <laughs> Will you commit to reading and studying God's word in this coming year? Be a great commitment. You say, well, I'll get started, but I know I, I never finish things. Well, we're here to help you. <laughs> you can get the Through the Bible, the Bible in a Year a program. Uh, it doesn't cost a cent. On the back uh, uh, welcome desk. It's also in our bulletin each week. Um, it's on our website. Uh, you click on that banner about Bible reading, and we'll help each other get through the Bible this year. You know, if you were to sit down and just read the Bible out loud, you could do it in 71 hours. We should take the time to read God's word. And then let's live it, and let's obey it, and let's teach it to others, and let's see what God will do as we surrender to what he has written in his word. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your goodness. We're thankful that you have given us your word, a revelation of exactly what you want us to know. Forgive us for our neglect of it. Forgive us for letting it sit on a shelf while we do other things. I pray that we'll make it a priority in our lives this year. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.